Last week, I talked about a couple of books. I've got those available as well if you're knowing more about those two books. One is by Richard Fox, uh, Study Guide, Celebration of Discipline. And the other one is by Tony Jones, The Sacred Way. Have you ever had someone say to you that, I believe in God, I'm a Christian, but I, I just don't go to church? Well, in the Bible, there is an undeniable association between being a Christian and being a part of a local church, a local Christian. Uh, uh, the concept of a solitary Christian in the Bible is just... And so for people that say, yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I just don't go to... To deny is to break against the understanding of what it means is and to follow in communion with others as well. However, there can be times where we can, for a variety of reasons, find ourselves disconnected from a wider group of people, um, where we can find ourselves in a situation where, um, whether it be for health reasons or whatever it might be. I'm mentoring a, a gentleman and uh, he's about to head overseas and he's going to head overseas to a country where it's going to be difficult for him to attend a local church. And, and that's just not going to be easy. For others, it can be because of prolonged health concerns that it can make it really difficult to attend uh, church. Uh, it could be because you're working overseas in a different country where Christians um, or the church is against the Lord. As, so to celebrate in that sort of way can be an issue, can be restricted or even outlawed. So if we find ourselves in a situation, whether it be we're on holidays, whether it be um, where... Uh, oh, unwell or whatever it might be, that we're not able to connect with the church, then how can we still go deeper in our relationship with God? Well, Galatians chapter 1 verses 16 to 19 gives us a bit of a clue because there was an occasion in Paul's life where he was disconnected from the local church. We read this in Galatians chapter 1 verses 16 the second half of verse 16 through to verse 19. And it speaks of a time when Paul himself was disconnected. When this happened, so when he became a Christian, when he became a follower of Jesus, I did not rush out to consult with any other human being, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to consult with those who were apostles before I was. Instead, I went to Arabia, and later I returned to the city of Damascus. Then three years later, I went to Jerusalem to get to know Peter, one of the apostles, and I stayed with him for 15 days. The only other apostle I met at that time was James, the Lord's brother. So why did Paul go to the Nabataean Empire, which is on the other side of the Jordan River into Arabia? Why did he go there? Well, according to one commentator, Longnecker, he says that many have supposed that it was for the purpose of a missionary outreach. So he gets converted, he comes to faith in Jesus, and so he straight away goes to Arabia to um, go on this missionary journey for a number of years. But there are also other thoughts. It could well be argued that it was principally for solitude, a time of solitude to rethink his life and learning from the perspective of Christ's revolutionary encounter, away from Jewish jurisdictions 
and the pressures that Paul would have been under to, um, you know, by being a Pharisee and by that Pharisee um, group, that sect in the um, in the uh, religious practices. And it's not really surprising when you come to think of it. When your whole world is being turned upside down, when what all that you've believed in has suddenly been changed, all that you've been taught and all that you've been teaching others as well, all your training when that's changed, when you have supported and stood by seeing someone being executed because they were challenging your beliefs, And now you find yourself in a situation where those beliefs are being turned upside down and you've got to rethink everything. They've been shattered. And it takes some time in that sort of headspace to get your bearings again. There are a few things that I can confidently say Paul did when he was disconnected from the church and from other Christians. I have no doubt that Paul had with him or had either in his memory, because to be a good Pharisee, you needed to memorize the Old Testament scriptures, or the scriptures as they knew it in that day. You needed to memorize those things. You needed to be able to recount them and teach them and and train other people in it. And so whether Paul just had the scriptures in his memory, or whether he had a copy of them in scrolls that he took with him, but I have no doubt that Paul would have reflected significantly on the Scriptures. To re-look at all that he'd been taught under this new revelation that Jesus was, in fact, the Messiah. The other thing that he would have done, I have no doubt in my mind, was to spend time praying to the one true God, Yahweh. And as he reflects and meditates and thinks about all that's going on and all that he's been taught, and how God had turned his world upside down. And so as a result of that, what do we, what can we do? What can we take away from that as a result of thinking about if we're in a time of solitude, when we're disconnected from the wider church for a variety of reasons, what, what can we do? Well, first of all, we need to remember that this church um, is that we're a part of is you and I. It is not this building. This building is just bricks and mortar. It is not the church. You and I are the church. So if you find yourselves disconnected from other Christians, it's pivotal to spend time regularly reading the Bible and in prayer. But there are other spiritual disciplines that we can also be a part of, that we can also connect with as a result to help enhance, to to continue to allow ourselves to go deeper regardless of whether you're able to connect with other Christians or not. Now, these are include, but they're not limited to some of the ones that you'll see on the screen. The Ignatian Examine is a particular form of self-reflection and prayer. There's also fasting to discipline and to deny oneself, normally of food. Meditation to focus and to center oneself. Labyrinth, Stations of the Cross, a personal pilgrimage, a form of spiritual journey. And Mary de Bono, um, you, you've written about that and we're going to be publishing or, or um, including some of her reflections on being a part of a, a spiritual pilgrimage in next month's edition of The Circle. 
There's also other things that we can do that can be helpful, like the signs of the cross or genuflecting can also be helpful in people's walk and their relationship with God. But today, for a few minutes, we're going to look at the two disciplines of fasting and of meditation. And then at the end of that, I'm going to open it up just briefly for some questions. Now, the whole idea with questions is um, you ask the questions and I'll do my best to answer them. If you don't ask the questions, then I'll be standing up here and twiddling my thumbs. But so it's a bit of Q&A. And so as we talk, as we reflect um, on these passages, if there's things that bubble up for you, then make a mental note of it, maybe even jot it down, and then we can have a chat about it towards the end. When considering fasting, we can fast from a range of things. Um, People over Lent and a few other times have fasted from activities such as watching TV, spending money on clothes, etc. Eating out can be something that you can do as a fast. I'm going to fast from eating out, which is a regular practice for some people. Wearing makeup, fasting from Facebook or other forms of social media. But the most common form of fasting that we um, hear about and that we understand and we see in the Bible is often fasting from uh, food and drink. Ramadan has just finished and it's a significant time for those um, that um, follow uh, follow Islam that they have fasted and so they won't eat from basically from from dawn till dusk and then they'll have a, a meal together at the end of that. For Christians, as I mentioned before, Lent from uh, February through to Easter uh, is a significant time. Ash Wednesday through to Easter is a significant time where a lot of Christians will fast maybe um, throughout the whole time of one particular thing or sometimes fasting uh, once a week on a Friday to fast from particular things as well. Now, there's several suggested medical benefits from fasting. That can be weight loss, a reduction in cholesterol, improving blood pressure and the reduction of the risk of diabetes. One study by the University of Southern California suggests that fasting for a longer period of time, such as two to four days, can even have the potential of rebooting someone's immune. But before you do any fasting, you need to consider your own health and well-being. And I'd encourage you to spend time and chat to your GP about it, especially if you are on any form of medication. Any fast should be balanced by a good intake of water as well because we we absorb so much moisture, so much liquid from our food. And so if you're fasting from food, then you can easily find yourself dehydrated. So it's important that you drink well during that time. Fasting in, um, in modern times has been made popular by awareness campaigns such as World Vision's 40 Hour Famine with the first 40-hour famine being held in Victoria before it was rolled out nationally 40 years ago this year, with the next one being held on the 17th to the 19th of August to help raise awareness for things such as global poverty. But there are a few different types of food fasting that I just wanted to focus on briefly. There's a single meal or a special focus of fast. So in the Old Testament, the Day of Atonement that we read about in Leviticus chapter 16, verse 31 and following, in that passage, it was a day of rest. It was a day of fasting and it was a day also of celebration. It was a day to remember the cost of our sins, the impact that our sins have. 
But it was also a day to celebrate that God forgives our sins as well. Our stuff-ups, our bad behaviours can be forgiven. There's also an Esther fast, which focuses on seeking God's intervention in a particular circumstance in our life. Esther, in Esther chapter 4, verses 15 to 16, her people, the Jews, are facing genocide. And so in light of that, and with some pressure being applied to her, about what are you going to do? You have the ear to the king. What are you going to do? Esther replies. Then Esther sent a reply to Mordecai, go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night and day. My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go in to see the king. If I must die, I must die. You see, for Esther to go and see the king unannounced, uninvited, was basically an opportunity where the king, if he wanted to, would say, just, right, that's it, you're dead. And so there was huge risk for her. And so she called her people to fast, to fast for three days, day and night, as she was seeking God's intervention to this situation. There's also a Daniel fast, which focuses on discipline, on healthy lifestyle, and not caving into the pressures of popular culture. Daniel chapter 1, verses 12 to 16 reads this, Please test us for 10 days, Daniel says, on a diet of vegetables and water, Daniel said. At the end of the 10 days, see how we look compared to all the other young men who are eating, who are eating the king's food. Then make your decision in light of what you see. The attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. So after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of the food and wine provided for the others. A variation of this type of fast is to fast from solid food and drink good quality juice instead. Jesus both fasted and he was also assumed that others would fast as well. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 and 17, um, Jesus gave instructions based on when you fast, not if you fast, and that God rewards fasting done with the right intentions. We read about this in Matthew 16, uh, Matthew 6, 16 to 18, where we read this. And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable and disheveled so that people would admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth. That is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. Then no one will notice that you are fasting except your father who knows what you do in private. And your Father who sees everything will reward you. Now, fasting is not the same as a hunger strike. It is not about um, you know, trying to blackmail God and saying, God, until you do this, I'm not going to eat anything. 
That's as silly and as childish as a child who says to a parent, unless you do this, I'm going to hold my breath. And then they eventually breathe or they fall over, one of the two. Um, But this is not about trying to blackmail God, to bribe God, to, to push God into a corner to have your own way. When fasting, Tony Jones notes in his experience that it's been um, toughest in the first two meals or couple of uh, meals that you might have. He says that he notices that um, there's a bit of muscle weakness and a bit of soreness, particularly uh, it's acute when missing the first and second meals. But beyond that, the feelings of hunger tend to abate somewhat and it provided him with a time of spiritual clarity. So fasting can be helpful to establish priority. Why would you fast? Well, to establish priority. So what's really important in this time? What's going on for me? And, And to say to God, hey God, this concerns me. This particular issue that's going on in my life or in this particular issue elsewhere, this has greater concern for me than eating a meal. And so I'm going to, God, show you how important this is. And I hope you see that in the way I live. It can also be about establishing focus. The grumblings of a stomach is like a prayer alarm clock that reminds you of what you're doing, why you're doing it, and that it can be a call to prayer. It can also challenge cravings. I don't want to be controlled by my cravings for food, whether it be this type of food or that, or just to have food as being the dominant thing in my life. You think about our world. So much of our world, MasterChef and all the rest of it, is all based around food. But to say, hey God, you're more important than food. And so it can be a way of challenging some of these cravings that we might have. It can increase intensity and clarity in our life. Time spent eating is redirected into prayer and meditation. It can also increase spiritual warfare. As, as you determine to move closer in relationship with God, then opposition can come to try and stop that. So some quick points to consider when fasting. Start small. Start small maybe by fasting from a meal. Perhaps do this weekly rather than doing a whole week of fasting. That way it forms a regular rhythm in your life. There's more gain to doing this than having a rush of blood to the head and say, I'm going to fast like Jesus did for 40 days and 40 nights. Don't feast, then famine. Don't gorge yourself on food just before you enter a fast. Once again, Tony Jones suggests that you are better off tapering back your meals in the week leading up to a fast. That helps your stomach to to shrink a little bit in size, but it also means that you're preparing yourself a bit better rather than having a massive, massive meals because I'm I'm going into hibernation, as it were. So that's probably a, a bad way to handle it because then it has a bigger impact. It's like hitting a brick wall rather than slowing down. Don't waste time either. Use the time that you would normally spend eating for connecting with God in a special way. One of the ways to connect God with God is through meditation. Now, if you were to type in meditation into Google, you will come up with over 300 million hits as far as responses about um, articles on meditation. 
But long before the internet was invented, search engines and all that sort of stuff bringing up uh, responses to meditation, meditation has had a rich history in the story of people's interactions with God. Joshua, a new leader of a nation, was encouraged by God to meditate daily. In Joshua chapter 1, verses 7 to 9, we read this, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to, do, to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Don't deviate from them, turning either to the right or the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night, so you will be sure to obey everything written. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Richard Foster in the Celebration Discipline describes meditation as more of a passive discipline. But please don't think for a moment that it's easy or it doesn't require some effort or discipline especially if you're someone who is easily distracted. Foster goes on to say that in meditation, we are not so much being acted um, in action as, we're, as if we're acting on something, but more so that we're opening ourselves up to be acted upon. We invite the Holy Spirit to come and work within us, teaching us, cleansing us, comforting us, rebuking us, encouraging us, loving us. We also surround ourselves with the strong light of Christ to protect us from any influence not of God. Meditation often falls short in someone's life because of the way we approach it. We often uh, approach it as a task to be done rather than an inward journey, centering, and then an outward journey. It's interesting to note that most, if not all, references to meditation um, talk about in the Bible speak of meditation on something. This is one area where Christian meditation um, can be quite a bit different to other forms of meditation, where um, there are other forms of meditation that are more about emptying oneself of everything, whereas Christian meditation encourages us to focus on, to meditate on to meditate ultimately on God. It's more about centering oneself, to to move distractions out of our life so that we can center on God and what God is wanting. So slowing down, the inward journey. I approach the the value of slowing down through using a prayer rope like this one. Um, And so for me, um, using this is a, is a helpful way to, to slowly apply the brakes when I'm wanting to spend some time meditating. It stops me from treating meditation as some sort of a fast food drive-through approach as well. The prayer rope is made up of five sections, and you can see it on the screen, but those five sections um, are with a, a red wooden bead marking each section, and there's five knots that I made in between each of those sections. And the way I use it is with each of the knots, I'll pray the Jesus prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And if you're praying it um, inside rather than using words, then what you can do is you can breathe in, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, then out, have mercy on me. 
And you do that five times and it regulates your breathing. Breathing It helps you to find a sense of rhythm. And then after doing that five times, then you hit a bead and you can feel that in your fingers. And that reminds me to pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name or holy is your name. And you go through that. And then you go back and you do that five times, that system five times. And what it does is it just slows me down. It helps me to focus on the things that are important until all that prayer not or prayer rope is completed. In meditation, you can reflect on a particular verse in the Bible. Or alternatively, you can use a centering prayer where you might focus on peace or love. And every time you start to get distracted and the monkey mind starts to play around, you just come back and you say, until your rhythm starts to return and you start to center again. Then as a result of the meditation time, you can then reflect on what you have sensed or have been discerning God has been saying to you. And then consider how you might take this new understanding or this refreshing of this time with God into your day, into the rest of your day. Meditation is not about escapism. It's rather about centering and refocusing. But meditation needs to be done with good posture. So if you're going to do meditation, can I encourage you, do not do it in bed. Otherwise, Lord Jesus Christ, say so good posture, good breathing, feet flat on the floor. Hopefully, um, you can help uh, by be helped by, it may be by having some soft music playing in the background, uh, whatever it might be. The other thing is don't watch the clock. How long have I been meditating for? Oh, two minutes. How long have I been meditating for? three minutes. The better way to do it is to set an oven timer or something else, even your, your um, phone, maybe on a countdown timer, where you might set it for like 10 minutes. And that way you're, you know that you're done when the timer goes off, rather than having to watch the clock. One of the ways that I used to do this was rather than watching the clock, I'd have a, um, one of those little incense um, cones or incense stick, and I would have that sitting um, outside because... Um, you know, I didn't want to stink out the house, but um, I'd have that sitting outside and I'd be sitting outside on the, the back veranda and I'd be watching the smoke. And one, it would remind me that uh, even when I don't feel the breeze on my face, when I see the smoke moving and dancing on the wind, I still know that God is at work even when I don't notice. The other thing was when the smoke stopped, my time was up. And so it was a way of just relaxing into that space rather than having to focus heavily. Alternatively, when starting out, consider attending a Christian meditation class or workshop, which can give you helpful, um, practical tips, skills and information as well. They can also be facilitated times as well where someone can lead you in a, a, um, a facilitated meditation that can, or a guided meditation that can be really, really helpful and can take you on paths that you would not normally go down that can really help you to connect with God in a very rich way. If you like, you can put on the you ask for it slip. You know, hey, listen, can you lead us in a time of meditation? I've done this in churches in the past where I've, um, instead of having a normal message time, we've used that time to have a facilitated meditation and that's been helpful and also challenging for people. But as I mentioned earlier, we're going to do a little bit of Q&A. And so, as I said, also, you do the Q, 
I'll do my best to do the A. Um, and so if there's any questions that you have about fasting or meditation, then I'm more than happy to take those now before um, we wrap up with a, a little bit of a, a reflection time um, and, and our service. So any questions that you might have, I'll come around with the microphone. Yep. Thanks, Anton. Yep. <laughs> yep. Extremely hard to start fasting and then um, say, okay, I'm going to eat some more. Yep. Absolutely. So, so. Yeah, yeah, because it can be like um, going through a traffic jam where you stop, start, stop, start, stop, start, and that sort of thing. So once again, the, the suggestion that would be um, look at portion size. So um, uh, one of the things that you can do is rather than having a large plate, um, start doing smaller amounts on that plate, but then even going down to a bread and butter plate. Um, and having that as the amount of meal that you might have and say, okay, and, and it will be a discipline. It will not come easy, but it's something that can be really helpful. So think about it. Um, there's, some, there's some resources, and so have a look at um, The Sacred Way. It talks a little bit about um, some of the ways that you can prepare for that as well. Other questions on fasting or on meditation? Yep, Paul? It won't be long. Um... I have I have been fasting for the last sixty years yep. of my life. Every uh, Saturday to Sunday, yep. Sulita joined me when she was baptized, and that was uh, from twelve o'clock Saturday mm-hmm. night to until twelve o'clock the following Sunday, or until uh, we had the Lord's Supper. Yep. And we still do it, and I find it, the reason why I am telling you this, is I find it very enhancing to the spirit, yep. to the body. I'm not a very strong person. Mm. Since I was a kid, I was very sickly. Yep. But when I was, when I am fasting, I don't feel any pain, I don't feel any hunger. Mm. But any other normal day that I don't eat in the morning, I just can't stand it, or mm. a breakfast. But every Sunday, we're all right. Yep. I'm here, yep. and uh, that 60 years really help us spiritually, and Julita can uh, tell you that in the Tagalog later on. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, yep, no, that's great. So, so fasting on a, so that goes back to what I was saying before about fasting on a weekly basis can help in that whole rhythm setting of uh, your, your relationship with God, so that's great. Any other questions or comments or uh, on, fa- so we talked a little bit about fasting, it might be on meditation, but. I just want to know what advice you've got those of us who have very work-oriented brains yep. in terms of meditation. Yeah. How do we how do we actively slow down our oh I could do this or yeah. oh what about that person I need to pray for them or yep. you know like if you how do you quieten all that's in there? Yeah. So that you can follow. Yep. So how do you how do you slow down the mind and and that is very task focused. So once again that prayer rope does help me because my mind goes a million different directions all at once. So um, the other night I had an idea for some um, a grant uh, application at 12.30 in the morning and it took me till 3 o'clock to get back to sleep. Um, so it was just buzzing and, and all that sort of So I certainly hear that. So for me, and I'll throw to Mary, because Mary might have a suggestion here as well, uh, Mary DeBono, um, but for me it is about uh, that the prayer rope is really helpful, not to beat yourself up about it if your mind does get distracted, but to say, no, okay, this is what I'm here for. 
um, to start off small, small amount of time rather than trying to do an hour-long meditation. So start off for 10 minutes, those sorts of things. Um, it can be helpful to have some background music for some people because that helps to create some white noise rather than the clicking of the fan going or the heater or whatever it might be or the cars or the buses going past. So those sorts of things can be helpful as well. Um, also think about the, the time of day that you do it because you might find that your mind is more active and more thinking about stuff to do um, at the start of the day and so later on in the day or an evening after a meal might be a good time to do it as well. So I'll throw to Mary if you've got any other suggestions. Um, I've been involved with a Christian meditation group for probably the last 12, 13 years um, and what, what I find is um, meditating um, within a within a group really is beneficial because you're actually in communion within within the silence. Um, there, you know, we have a, a prayer mantra, so we have one word that we say inwardly, and it's Maranatha, which is yep. "Come, Lord Jesus." Yep. Um, a suggestion would be that the groups are all over Australia, so we've got them in Melbourne, um, and I mean, I'm happy to talk to anyone about area um we also um uh, also um you know the discipline of perhaps doing two meditations a day sometimes you can't do that might be one and suggested to to approximately 20 it's not easy but even if it's a 10 minute and you do it once a day help helping with 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 that um because meditation is like a muscle that it, it yeah. grows and it gets built over yes, time. Yes, yes, yep. and and you can't. You, once you, and although the monkey mind mm. doesn't stop, but it's that it's that having something. It's a bit like coming home. It's like a home base, yep. you know. When, so when things are so crazy, always go home. And I think meditation takes us to the spiritual home place. And once yep. we've tapped into that, even though we go crazy, we know that we can go back. Yeah. And it's that touching that. So, but I'm happy to talk, you know, later yeah. on over a cup of tea, and yep. we can, um, I can connect you perhaps with with groups or yeah. even with works. Yep. And read. one more question or comment before we wrap up, or we'll just. All right, that's great. Okay, so just to reflect, um, as far as a response time goes, how do we respond to what God's been saying? Well. On the slide, you've got a couple of options there. So what's something today in our time together that I can put into practice over the coming week? We do want to try and have these times as practical as possible. Are there any unanswered questions that this has raised for me? And so you might want to pray that through. Okay, God, what are you saying in this? Um, And how is God calling me to respond? So we're going to um, play um, some music quietly in the background, use this time to respond to God, and then we'll um, gather together to sing. Um, after we've had that response.